Hey, everybody, this is Joe Chavaria, and you are listening to the Credit Agents Podcast. If you've gotten value out of these episodes, please, please, please rate this podcast and share with other people you think it'll help. Thanks for listening. Let's get into the uh, FCRA lawsuit that happened here recently. A um, little backstory on the case. This, this case involves Sprague versus Salisbury Stake and Tr- uh, Bank and Trust. I said Salisbury Stake. When I see that that bank, I think Stake. So that's why uh, that's why I said that. So it's Sprague versus Salisbury Bank and Trust. The uh, the the plaintiff is uh, Robert Sprague and uh, Robin Ziegler. They sued this bank. This bank is based out of Connecticut. And the the reason for the lawsuit, the allegation has to do with the fact that. Salisbury violated the Fair Credit Reporting Act by not investigating an error on Sprague's credit report and correcting the error after it's after they were notified of it. So they were notified of the error and the error was not fixed. So uh, this all, you know, basically in September of 2019, uh, the judge in this case was Judge Vanessa Bryant. She granted Salisbury motion to dismiss for failure to state a claim. So the judge in the first uh, suit. Um, this this case was appealed um, in the first case that was filed in district court. The judge actually granted um, motion to dismiss, and uh, the reason why is because the plaintiffs never, you know, neither allege that they contacted the bureaus of the error, nor that the bureau or that a bureau notified Salisbury of the dispute. So that's going to be the meat. That's going to be the crux of this this lawsuit, and you know, the reason why it was dismissed is because remember, remember some of my videos prior. In order for an FCRA claim to stick on a furniture, uh, whether, and again, furnitures could be like debt collectors, could be big banks like Chase, Wells Fargo. In order for an FCRA claim to stick on those guys, you have to get the bureaus involved. You have to notify the bureaus of the dispute and the bureaus, because therefore the bureaus also notify the furniture of the dispute. And that's how you bring a furniture into the mix of an FCRA violation. If they're not uh, the bureaus are not made aware of this FCRA issue, then you're gonna have a very ch- tough taste, a very t- tough time um, getting your FCRA lawsuit to stick. So that's kind of what happened here. Um, you know, again, this is where my my position on this is. I don't know why there are attorneys that are taking these cases like this without doing any more due diligence, without asking more questions to their other client, and just taking the case, you know, as is. And uh, a little bit later, I'll tell you kind of why this this attorney took on this case, you know, as is, and you'll kind of figure out. I don't know if that kind of makes sense. Um, so basically, this again, this was uh, September 2019, May of 2020. Uh, Sprague and, and Ziegler appealed the case, and uh, so basically, how we got to the point of there being a lawsuit. Let me give you a little backstory of everything that took place that led to the lawsuit. So, so Sprague and uh, Ziegler, uh, I don't know if they're husband and wife, boyfriend and girlfriend. I mean, they're both in this case, uh, both have, they're attached to the same property. So I don't know exactly the relationship, um, didn't really specify, but basically borrowed 110,000 from Salisbury Bank and Trust um, to buy a house in Connecticut. And then they got, they borrowed another 250 later that year. So maybe they bought some land or like a very cheap house. And then they uh, borrowed some more to do renovations and fix it up and things like that. Sounds like that probably is what happened. No, no, for sure. But you know, when you borrow a little amount and then you borrow a bigger amount, probably you know got some cheap land, cheap a cheap house, and then most of the money is in, in renovations. Um, so this this basically happened um, many many years back. Seven years later, uh, Sprague and Ziegler began they began falling behind on their payments, and then the bank you know began foreclosing foreclosure proceedings. 
Um, and so in February of 2006, uh, Sprague noticed that the mortgage account was still reporting open on the credit report. So that's kind of where the claim begins is that this house is foreclosed, no longer have this house. You guys have charged off the debt. Um, they even got a, you know, got a judgment against them. But on the credit report, the account still says open. Um, and again, you know, according to the Fair Credit Reporting Act, um, you know, the account has to meet maximum possible accuracy. So if, if this account shows open and it really should be closed, then that's a legitimate dispute. That's a good argument there that Sprague and, and Ziegler started to make is that the account should be closed or should be charged off or whatever, but it shows that it's open. Um, so to the least sophisticated consumer, um, you know, an open account like that, that shouldn't be open, you know, maybe I'm, I'm thinking might, maybe if I'm trying to get another, another mortgage loan or another, another loan down the road, um, they may say, well, wait a minute, you still got an open, open mortgage loan somewhere. You have two, you have two loans right now. Well, I don't because I don't have that house anymore. So I can see how that would be a good, a, bit, a good argument there. And, uh, so they brought it to the attention. Um, they basically notified Salisbury over the phone of the error, right? They called someone maybe the customer support department. Um, the customer support department at Salisbury did mention that the error, you know, is valid. That is something that they're going to correct, um, and that they were going to go ahead and do that. And uh, a couple months later, Sprague and uh, you know, Sprague or, and Ziegler looked at their, or Sprague looked at the credit report and noticed that the error was not corrected, so it still said open. Um, so at that point, that is when Sprague sued Salisbury. This, the lawsuit was filed in August of 2018 alleging that Salisbury violated the FCRA by negligently and willfully failing to perform a reasonable investigation and correction of inaccurate information. Um, this is all under the FCRA section 1681S2B, um, um, which if you read it, that basically does not apply to furnishers. If a consumer reporting agency wasn't notified of a dispute, you can't bring in the furnisher or you can't attach it to that FCRA claim because the, the, the bureaus have to be bureau has to be notified of the dispute. So had Sprague, this is where the, the case would have gone good for them. If, if Sprague had notified a bureau first, and it didn't have to be all the bureaus, just a bureau, notified one of the bureaus first in writing, probably not online, especially if you're, if you're tending to sue, um, or that's one of your you know, possibilities that you would want to take after this bank, as you would, you know, if it's not correct, then I'm gonna sue these guys then you definitely would want some sort of paper trail. Um, and so that's where they should have started, disputed it in writing, get a paper trail going, make copies of the dispute letter. And if it was not corrected, then contacting Salisbury Bank the way they, that they did, and Salisbury Bank you know, admitting to error, admitting to fault, and saying that they would correct it, and then they they not correcting it, that would, have, that would have been a good start of the claim. Of course, then you have to show damages. How are you damaged? How are you injured here? And uh, that's where maybe like an expert witness would come into play, but at very least, there's a there's a there's a possibility of an FCRA violation, which the um, the parties involved with the violating act would be liable for up to a thousand dollars per infraction. So if they can't, you know, as, you know, get damages um, or or quantify uh, damages or, or or an injury there for a dollar amount, then at the very least, you know, the law will will allow them to obtain up to $1,000 per FCRA fraction. So very least they could have got something out of it, but of course the, the case is, uh, is dismissed. And uh, they, took it, they took it higher up. They took it to the appellate court. Of course, the appellate court also, again, uh, dismissed the case as well. Um, you know, even though Salisbury knew um, of the error and uh, argued that in his motion to dismiss, 
the duty of the, the investigation is only triggered after a furnisher receives notice of dispute from a consumer reporting agency. That's the way the law reads. That's the way the law is. So therefore, Salisbury is not really liable or held accountable in this case. You have to bring the bureaus into the picture if you're going to do an FCRA lawsuit. Um, so the attorneys for Sprague and Ziegler declined to comment. Um, I went ahead and kind of Googled the attorney, did some research on my own, like, well, how did this case get this far? Um, and so I Googled it, did some research. Apparently, um, this is the town's uh, commercial real estate attorney, which I'm like, okay, so hire a commercial real estate attorney to litigate your FCRA claim. Someone who may not know a lot about the FCRA lawsuit. Apparently, obviously, they didn't really know a lot about the FCRA. Um, but this is why you kind of you need to know you need to have your you need to know who is really well at doing what, right? You know, you you don't hire an electrician to do plumbing, right? You don't hire a barber to to you know to to mow your your grass just because they cut stuff doesn't mean they're going to cut your grass very well, right? It's, this is why it's always good to hire an expert in their in their field. Um, but of course, in this case, maybe they didn't really know better. You know, I think there's a lack of education, uh, education played here. They didn't really know who to go to. They just figured. And I think this is very common with most people is you think attorney, you think any attorney can handle just about anything. Right. You know, divorce degrees, will and probates, uh, you know, uh, FCRA, you know, law, apparently. Um, so you don't really know. And of course, the uh, the attorney is like hungry for, for business. They don't really have a lot going on, especially in commercial real estate. There's probably not a lot going on right now in commercial real estate. So it's like, yeah, I'll, I'll, well, it's actually, this was a while back. So this is, uh, you know, two years back, but pro probably didn't have a whole lot going on still at that moment. So, yeah, I'll take this case, right? I'll take it on. I've got a good case here, but didn't really um, know a whole lot about FCRA law, according, uh, apparently. So I'll put a link to, to this case. Um, you guys will get a link to this, um, you know, to this case. You want to do some research after that. Um, but moving on. Now we're going to talk about eight credit cards that offer free scores. Probably want to get your notepad out. Probably want to jot this down. This is going to be just rapid fire info. I'm not going to go into too much detail, but I just want you to have the, 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 the important details of which credit cards offer free scores through their platform, um, what score model is being provided, and what bureau is that data coming from. So first and foremost, we have Discover. We have Discover card. So Discover provides FICO eight scores, and that's coming from Experian, only. Now, one thing I want to say before we go into further, all these credit cards, they don't monitor all bureaus. It's just one bureau, okay? And it's one score model. So keep that in mind. So Discover is FICO 8, and it's Experian only, okay? Not Equifax, not TransUnion, only Experian. Capital One is Vantage 3.0, and it's TransUnion only. Chase is Vantage 3.0, also TransUnion only. City is FICO 8, Equifax only. Bank of America is FICO 8, TransUnion only. Uh, American Express, Vantage 3.0, TransUnion only. Wells Fargo, FICO Bank Card 2.0, Experian only. And US Bank, Vantage 3.0, TransUnion only. So those are eight credit cards that offer free scores to, to the public, or actually some of them to the public, some of them you have to be a user of it. Like I think Discover offers that scorecard to the public, right? So anyone, you don't have to be a Discover card holder to get that scorecard, they give it to the, to the public for free. And I think it's a great marketing tool, right? To give that scorecard and probably, hey, get a Discover card. Hey, get a Discover card. Um, I think that's a pretty good, pretty good uh, marketing uh, idea there by Discover. But a lot of these cards, 
Some of these cards offer the, the scorecard available to the public. Many of them, or some of them just want you to be a member before you get access to, to the score. So those are the eight cards, the score models that they, that they used and what bureau it's coming from. I'll put a link to this as well. You guys will have access to a link to do a little research on your own. All right, last but not least, we're gonna talk about the difference between Visa, MasterCard, Discover, and American Express. So uh, before we, before we be, uh, begin, you know, a little cheers to uh, Diners Club card. Can't forget about those guys. If you guys uh, are, are old like me, um, you know, if you remember Diners Club, um, they actually were, were, you know, they don't exist today in the U.S. Um, I don't know if they even exist anymore overseas, but they were, they were, Citibank bought them out back in 1981 and then dismantled the, the U.S. payment network. So Citibank acquired Diners Club card back in 1981. And so the four players that exist today are Visa, MasterCard, Discover, and American Express. Little side note here, um, if you're still taking notes, something really, really good to, to, to know if you're in, a, you know, when you're taking down credit card information or you, you, someone's giving you a credit card number, um, one way you don't, you can eliminate having to ask what kind of card is it? Is it a Visa, MasterCard, Discover, American Express? Visa always starts with the four. MasterCard always starts with the five. Discover always starts with a six and American Express always starts with the three. Another thing too is Amex, American Express typically is a 15 digit card number, which most of the other cards are 16 digit card numbers. And the CVV code depends on the type of American Express card, but typically um, the CVV code or the security code for Amex is, is four digits long as opposed to three. Some of the cards are three digits, but for a long period of time, the, the majority of the cards are four digit security code. So little fun facts there for you as well. Um, and so basically what these companies do with Visa, with MasterCard, Discover, what Amex does, what they do is they provide uh, their role includes approving and declining uh, transactions, uh, protecting consumers and businesses from fraud, and making sure that the money flows from the right account. So that's pretty much the main role uh, of, of these companies. Now, all four of them are processors, which that means is they act as, as a liaison between your bank and the merchant's bank, right? With the merchant would be, you know, like a, like a, you know, a company you're doing business with, right? That would be considered a merchant. Um, and so they act as a liaison between your bank and the merchant's bank. Only two of these companies uh, are issuers of credit cards, right? So, so not only do they process transactions, but they also issue credit cards to, to the general public. Um, or to businesses or both. And those two companies are Discover and American Express. Notice you never get just a plain Visa card or just a plain MasterCard. Um, it's because those companies don't issue cards directly to consumers or businesses. Um, instead, Visa and MasterCard, they partner with other banks like Chase, uh, like Citibank, Wells Fargo, Bank of America. Um, they usually partner with the banks and then together they have the cards issued. But the issuer is the bank at that point. Um, issuers of cards, they also handle credit applications uh, or the application process. Uh, they report payments to the bureaus and they handle customer service. So notice you don't really ever call Visa customer service if you have an issue with a transaction in your account, nor do you call MasterCard. If you have a Discover card, you have an American Express, you can call Discover or call American Express. Those companies actually have you know, a, a call center. They actually, have, uh, they actually support their card. They report payments to the bureaus, but you won't ever see a Visa card you know, reporting on its own to your report or MasterCard. Those companies uh, don't, don't, don't do that. Um, 
Visa has 46 million merchants on its network and is used in 200 countries. Uh, they charge merchants between 1.43% and 2.4% per transaction. Uh, Visa is pretty much partnered up with Chase, Bank of America, Wells, and U.S. Bank. And again, Visa starts with a four. Uh, MasterCard has 37 million merchants, so a little bit less than, than Visa. Um, and they are used in 210 countries, so they're used a little bit more in other countries compared to Visa. Uh, they charge merchants 1.55% to 2.6% per transaction, so they're a little bit in Visa. And MasterCard is pretty much partnered up with Citibank, Capital One, United Bank, and SunTrust Bank. And again, MasterCard starts with the number five. Uh, Discover has 30 million merchants on its network, so less than MasterCard, less than Visa. And it's used in 185 countries, so not as much as Visa or MasterCard, but, but it's up there. And they charge merchants between 1.56% to 2.3% per transaction, so almost identical to, to, to MasterCard, um, still more expensive than, than, than Visa. Um, they do issue their own credit cards. MasterCard does issue their own credit cards direct to the public, um, but they also do partner a little bit, like with the NHL, the, I think it's an NHL card, they partner with the NHL to issue cards through them. Um, so that is Discover, and Discover starts with the number six. And then American Express, they have 31 million merchants on its network and is used in 130 countries, so, um, you know, in terms of where it's used, not so much compared to the other three. Um, they charge 2.5% to 3.5% per transaction. They are the most expensive card you know, for merchants to process through. They actually have the highest rate. Um, they do also issue their own credit cards, um, but they also partner up with Delta Airlines, Hilton, and Marriott, uh, Marriott Hotels to, to issue their, their cards. So just real quick on credit score requirements, obviously American Express is one of the higher cards, you know, that you need the bet, you know, one of the top of the line credit to get approved for Amex. Typically, you know, it's a 680 plus uh, credit score to get approved for Amex. Discover typically is right around the same 670, 680. They'll approve someone for a Discover card. Um, of course, if you have, you know, other, other positive factors, maybe you can get approved for a 660, but generally it's right around that, that, uh, that score range. Uh, Visa or MasterCard, it really just kind of depends on the bank because remember, they don't issue the card directly, it just depends on the bank. Um, for example, with, uh, with Visa cards, probably the, the, the lowest score Visa card could be either First Premier Bank or, um, or a Credit One Bank. You know, you probably get approved like a 580, you know, credit score, all the way up to 680 when you get into the Chase, Wells Fargo, um, some of the bigger banks, you can, you know, need a higher credit score requirement. Um, and that kind of is going to be the, the, the rule of thumb there between both Visa and, and MasterCard. Um, so I will put a link to this information as well, but good information for you to know in terms of, you know, the difference between Visa, Master, Discover, Mac Express, what number it starts off with. We also talked about the scores, uh, the score versions and the, uh, the uh, what bureau the scores are, are being provided from on these credit cards and also free scores. Hey guys, just want to say thank you so much for listening to the Credit Agents Podcast. If you received any value of any of these episodes, please, 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 por favor, rate this podcast and share it with other people you'll think it'll benefit. Again, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Cup of Joe. I'll see you on the next one, guys.